Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Joe, we are live. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? September 24th edition uh, of a recap. Fightful MMA podcast, Sean Rossap, and yours truly, Joe Farrar. Give me a follow online at Showdown Joe. And of course, you can follow Sean at Sean Rossap. We're going to talk about a bunch of things tonight, obviously, with uh, the UFC Japan event going down yesterday in Saitama. And of course, tonight's Bellator 183 event going down in San Jose. Uh, lots to discuss. Uh, a variety of topics, of course, uh, the, not just the results themselves, uh, but a couple of hot topics that, of course, uh, you know, Sean Rossap probably is going to lose his absolute marbles based on what happened. Uh, we'll talk about Bellator versus UFC. We'll talk about which show was potentially bigger. Obviously, Ben Henderson versus Pitbull. Uh, I, I tried to stay awake in that one, Sean. Uh, Roy Nelson's Bellator debut. Paul Daly versus Lorenz Larkin. Yushin Okami stepping in in short notice uh, for Shogun uh, and his heir that Sean will rip apart shortly. Uh, Claudia Gadelia and Jessica Andrade in the women's strawweight division. What a fight that was. That was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Takanori Gomi, the fireball kid, uh, has raised a lot of eyebrows, uh, not just with what happened in the Octagon yesterday, but on social media as well. Uh, Goken Saki's UFC debut was something to behold. Uh, you got Formiga, and of course, you got Aaron Pico as well this evening, who does go to one and one with a victorious sophomore effort. Um, there's so many things to discuss, but let's just just the 800 pound elephant in the room, Sean, is the Von Flucho. Oh, your absolute disdain uh, for fighters that don't seem to get it, especially when they're taking on OSP. You want you want to know my problem with the Von Flucho, Joe? Sure. It can't really be done unless you do it to yourself. That's it. My wife was watching the fight, and as she's watching Yushin Okami, former title talent challenger, yeah? Did he did he fight for the title? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He got knocked out by energy. Okay. And my wife is watching this fight. My wife, who didn't do any grappling training, mind you. I taught her kickboxing. That's it. And she says, why is he holding on to that choke? And I said, I don't know, but it's the wrong guy to be doing it against. 
So the bond flu choke, I've explained this to several people on, on the podcast before. The way that you get von flu choked is by holding on to a guillotine in a bad position, and that being sometimes half guard, as in this this case, but particularly in uh, when somebody else has you in side control. You can't finish a choke from there. There's no reason to hold on to it. Unfortunately for Yushin Okami, who has never been submitted before, didn't get submitted by John Fitch, uh, Dave Branch, Anderson Silva, Jake Shields didn't submit him. He went back flat on a guillotine attempt from half guard. And usually that's not bad enough to get it done. But at this point, Ovin St. Preux is kind of familiar with the technique. And he's developed this thing. Ovin St. Preux has those huge traps, Joe. So it's went from a point of opponent ignorance, which is still required in order for him to gain this, this, this position, to a really good offensive tactic. And the main offensive tactic here isn't the choke himself. It's the fact that OSP recognizes this, says, what are you doing? And then pins that person's hand with the glove because it's really hard to get out with that glove on between his shoulder and his head, then moves into the position. So while usually you could just let go, he doesn't allow you to let go. He has taken this Von Flu choke a step further than really anybody we've seen in the UFC. And that I will give him credit for. However, Yushin Okami was appropriately reamed on the post-fight show by Alan Juban, uh, Michael Bisping, and Daniel Cormier. Michael Bisping, who was not having any of Karen Bryant's shit last night. I noticed that. That actually aired here in Canada. But sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, the Von Flu show. It happened. It's the, it's the fifth one in UFC history. Third one out of OSP. Man, Okami. Like, he was a guy that I gave a real shot. He's a guy that somehow looks big at every weight class he's in. Like, it's, it's remarkable how he can still look so big. But he went in there and lost by, by a Von Flu choke in under two minutes. That's embarrassing. So leading up to the event, uh, I, I, in my breakdown of some of the fun bets, I said, you know, good luck um, in trying to submit Yushin Okami. He's not an easy guy to submit. Well, lo and behold, OSP does it. And the He's one never thing been that in his, in his MMA career, never. Yeah, yeah. The the one thing I I, I really appreciated, uh, and I know it's it's one of those submissions that you learn, uh, you know, in your first maybe three to five grappling classes. You know, here's the guillotine. Everyone knows the guillotine. Here's how to defend it. Uh, here's what happens if your opponent continues to hold on to it when you go down to the ground. Because in a street fight, they will hold on to it. Uh, and here's how to put them to sleep. Now, in looking at the way OSP technically set it up, Okay, because believe it or not, he did technically sort of set it up. I know what you're saying. Yeah. The guy, they, they kind of give himself. But what I really liked about OSP is that the whole Sean Ross Sapp mentality of like, are you really giving this to me? Well, if you're going to give this to me, watch this. And then he pulls yeah. it. When you see him reaching behind and trapping the arm past the glove, because now you can't get that glove out. You can't. There's no way. And he's just squeezing, and then he readjusts the position to really make that Von Flu choke uh, look absolutely ridiculous and basically squeeze the living bejesus, bejesus out of someone's neck. Uh, it's a blood choke. You go up pretty quick. Now, it's akin, in my opinion, uh, when, you take a, when, you're, when you're fighting a guy like 
I wouldn't say prove. When when the fighters before Holly Holm would take on Ronda Rousey and would get too overzealous and realize, do not under any circumstances let this woman get close to you in any sort of clinch format because you're going to go flying and if you go to the ground, you're in big trouble. You need to keep your distance. And fighter after fighter after fighter after fighter continued to engage with Ronda Rousey and she would toss them, she would armbar them, Game over. So many different fighters. Husmar Palharis, do not go to the ground with him. Do not let him touch your legs. Be aware. Don't do it. And people would continue to do it over and over again, get their leg ripped off. So there are fighters, it's still in the sport, that take on people like OSP, and it's like, what are you doing? But guys like OSP, Ronda Rousey, uh, Palharis, and so many other ones have their specialties where it's like, you're going to give this to me? Not only am I going to take advantage of it, but I'm going to smash you. And I, I somewhat agree with that. But to me, it's not even on the level of like a McKenzie team or anything. Mm-hmm. Because this isn't like like a situation where you're like, don't let Cody McKenzie get your head. Joe, going not going flat back on a guillotine attempt is for anybody. You know, don't do that against Charlotte Sapper Showdown Joe. It's a bad idea. It's stupid MMA. It's ignorant MMA. It's even dumber MMA to hold on to it for that long. Ah, it's mind-boggling to me. Yushinokami, I thought, from, like, and I don't know, man. Like, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating because when I looked at his skill set, even at 36 years old, I was like, you know what? Given how inconsistent Ovid St. Preux is, and it all, everything harkens back to the John Jones breakdown of him to me. When John Jones was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he said, a lot of people said that I looked bad during that fight, but he's still so raw as a fighter that he doesn't even know what he's going to do next, let alone me. And then he said, Daniel Cormier, Alexander Gustafson, uh, all these guys had tendencies, good or bad, I could study. OSP didn't have any. That's, that's almost, it's almost like a lot of guys have taken that for granted, and they, they think that maybe he's too green to, to, know, how to, to know how to do this. I don't know. Because, I mean, even he said after the fight, like, I don't know why he did that, but he did it. Like, he said that in his interview after the fight. And OSP, I'm with you. But you know what? It couldn't happen to a, not happen to a nicer guy because Ovid St. Preux is an incredibly nice guy, as is Yushin Okami. So that's kind of a bummer, too. But OSP, he's still hanging around. But I thought Okami, given his skill set and – OSP's inconsistency stood an okay shot. Okay shot. Um, what was not an okay shot was the one that Okami took from about the third row, diving at OSP's legs. Like that was one of the most piss poor efforts for a takedown I've ever seen. It, it just it made no sense to be honest with you. I mean, let's 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 be frank here. He could he could probably stand with OSP and sort of get smart about it. But if you're going to try and set something up. Or if you, sorry, if you're going to execute something, you you, you got to set it up, especially as a veteran uh, in mixed martial arts. But yeah, it, it was it was a performance. I'm pretty sure that Yushino Kami will look back and be like, "That was one of the worst I've ever performed. Like it was it was terrible." So it, it is what it is. In terms of the two shows, though, Bellator versus the UFC, which one do you think was more popular? Which one was better? Which one was more bang for their buck? Japan was better. I thought Japan was a fun, fun show. Bellator wasn't bad, though. The main event sucked. It was terrible, but there was some good MMA on that show. Like, there was, it was a lot of fun from Larkin uh, against Daly. Roy Nelson against Ayala. It was, 
it was one of the frustrating heavyweight fights, you know, where you know that a guy like Javi Ayala is like, why, why are you grappling Roy Nelson in that regard? But Roy Nelson had a successful debut. That was uh, good for him. Good for him. He's getting his check. But um, <laughs> Eric Pico video game knocking out a guy. That, that was, was cool. Disgusting. Yeah. Uh, Goti uh, Yamushi, like that one, he's in line. I think he's in line for a lightweight title shot. I would put him in line just right up there with Patricky Pitbull, in my opinion, because while Patricky Pitbull won, what did he really win? He didn't win a whole lot. He landed a couple good strikes, and other than that was trying to defend a takedown the, the, the rest of the time. Meanwhile, Goti is like 8-2 or something like that. All in all, I thought uh, UFC had the better show this weekend. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, I didn't mind either show with the exception of yeah. the main event, which I expected uh, a lot more of. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, I, you hear the fans boo, and, and I used to be one of those guys that would always be like, I'd be tweeting out in the middle of UFC events from press row, like, why are these people booing? They don't understand what's happening in the octagon uh, or in the cage, for that matter. And it's like, come on, man, give these guys a bit more respect. Uh, and I used to always say, oh, these guys have never trained a day in their life. No, you know what? Sometimes a boring fight's going to get people, and you, and and. There was a point where I was going to tweet out. Uh, I don't know if it was in the second round, Sean, or the third round. I don't know. Before the second round, where even the two broadcasters weren't saying anything. Yeah, there was just dead silence for a good, I would say, twenty seconds, and that's sort of a no-no um, it, when, when you're doing play-by-play and/or color commentary. But I can if understand. If you can call Ronaldo to give dead air for twenty seconds, you know the fight sucks. Pretty much. And I know how those two guys feel. You know what it's like when you, like, I mean, I've done six hour shows, uh, even the Japan shows that I did, the Ryzen shows, and sometimes even Titan shows. It's a long, long, long process, especially when you get to that main event. There are times, uh, only because I don't get any bathroom breaks, I've been sitting down for six, six and a half hours, I could really go to the bathroom, but I hope the main event uh, actually ends very very quickly uh when you get a fight like this you're just like oh my goodness like and then you're you're mentally just not there um you know you've you got to be on point so i can understand what those two went through anyways that well, this is a 20 fight show joe what's that this is a 20 fight show too insane insane now, a 20 fight show and the main card could have been over what 10 45 but they delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed they stretched it out until they got it to midnight like yeah that was the well, it's the spike call, right? Just yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sitting there like, come on, you've got a fight that ended in a 42 second arm bar on the prelims. You've got a fight that was a two and a half minute guillotine choke. You've got other fights you can slide in there afterwards. Like, yeah, of course it's a spike call, but man, spike, rate of play, rate of play. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty. You know, it may sound silly, but with the first two fights going off the way they did, both ending in the – sorry, this is the main card. Uh, the first two yeah. fights in the main card going off and ending in the first round, they could have went, you know, right to Roy Nelson, done. Uh, that was a 50-minute fight. They could have just kept going, and this this card could have ended so much earlier. And then, you know what? Hey, you know what? Fill it up with the rest of the fights that were on the prelims. Throw in a couple of kickboxing ones for the fans that want to stay tuned in. But they figure, you know what, the ratings they're going to get with the guys in the main event and the co-main event, they stretched it out. So I, I – I understand that from a from a television perspective, but uh, th- they could have ended the show much much quicker. But 
you know, welcome to the world uh, of broadcasting. I actually didn't mind the Roy Nelson uh, Javier Ayala fight. Uh, I think Roy realized that I don't want to stand bang with this guy anymore. We're going on the ground here. I can dominate him down here. But uh, Ayala did prove a few times he could get out, and we get when he got out, he made Roy pay. But in the end, Roy's Roy's grappling and takedowns were just simply too much, or perhaps Ayala's takedown defense wasn't good enough, uh, and Roy ended up punishing him late in the fight. But I, I didn't mind that fight whatsoever. The Paul Daly Lorenz Larkin fight, though, Mike. Goodness, I was expecting sheer violence. It didn't really happen in the first round, but man, did they those two guys bring in the second round, and then Paul Daly landing that left hook, disgusting the way he finished. And, and then all you see is, is, is Larkin wobbly like that. I mean, what went through your yeah. mind when you saw that punch get get landed? Man, these UFC signings aren't working out too well for Pelator. Is what I what went through my mind. To be honest with you, yeah. Yeah. Another one. Now, I mean, there there wasn't a whole lot for us to break down in Patricky Pitbull versus Ben Henderson. Patricky Pitbull's going to headline a show in January or February. We know the drill. Uh, he landed a couple of nice strikes. Ben Henderson spent most of the time trying to wrestle. It didn't work out. He looked a little bit in disbelief, but like what I I'm not in disbelief over it. I'm just more amazed that he thinks that he can win fights that way. Like this, the man has. Like what seven split six or seven split decisions since 2012? Six, six split decisions in under five years, and he for some reason when when he fights a certain way and he ends up going to a split decision, the guy is shocked. I'm more shocked that he's shocked. Uh, before we get into Larkin Daly, who'd you have that for? The main event. Yes, I I could have went either way. I was leaning towards Benson, but Patricky was uh, was landing some hard punches. But uh, I think Benson controlled the um, the cage a lot more. Didn't win every exchange, but I think he controlled the cage a bit more. I could understand it from either judge's perspective, no matter which way they went. Twenty nine, twenty eight uh, was a good call because the one round was a swing round, in my opinion. Ten point must system. I think Ben Henderson won schoolyard or pride fight. I think Patricky Pitbull won. But uh, yeah, the Larkin. Daily KO. It's funny because Daily was saying that he was feeling old leading up to this fight, and he's thirty-three years old. But like, like I said on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast, which you guys can check out every Tuesday at three PM Eastern. What he has fought over a hundred times altogether, over a hundred times. So yeah, it's time to end the charade and book him versus MVP. MVP's you know doing the thing. Ah, he doesn't deserve to fight. Cut the shit, man. Cut the shit. It's time. It's time. And I'm so and glad the post fight. For a while, I didn't that. think it was time, Joe. Because, you know, MVP was still really young as a fighter and stuff. He's, he's 30 years old now. He's been doing MMA for almost six years now. It's time. It's time. The tornado kick happened in February 2012. He ain't that green guy who just showed up in UC MMA anymore. It's time. What other fight can Bellator put on between those two? That's the fight. Yeah. It absolutely is the fight. I would completely agree. That's the one. You can headline a UK show with that. Easily. Easily headline a UK show with that. Throwing a bunch of jabronis that washed out of the UFC that nobody gives a damn about (laughs) and just headline it with this. You know there's plenty. Yeah. Yeah. What's John Hathaway doing? Does he still exist? Yeah, John Hathaway. That guy. That kid was just on fire, and then see ya. 
Early he lost. He lost to Dong Hyun Kim with that spinning back elbow in China, and never fought since, like three and a half years. And he tried. I remember he tried to fight uh, in 2015, and it didn't work out. And I haven't heard from him. Period. If Bellator could get a hold of that guy, that's one to throw on there. 17 and two, and he's still 30 years old. That's crazy to think. Yeah, I wonder what happened as to why he's no longer competing in MMA. Could it be concussion issues like TJ Grant? Uh, could be anything. Um, Aaron Pico. So Aaron Pico comes in a sophomore wow. effort, does emerge victorious with an absolutely, like he called, video game disgusting left hook, almost mixed in with an uppercut uh, on Justin Lin's jaw that basically shut the electrical system down and just, whoo, just Justin Lin goes backwards. Aaron was still getting hit, though. He got hit with jab, got a jab right at the beginning of the fight. He got hit with the right. He did mull through them, uh, but you know, for a guy that's been doing boxing, he was Golden Gloves champ. His head movement really wasn't there in this fight here, uh, but man, did he look great uh, when he needed to be. When he gets on top of someone, he starts wailing. This kid generates a lot of power at 145 pounds, so good for him. He's 1-1 one one right now, but overall, I know it was a spectacular knockout. What did you think of his performance? We got to see a little bit of his – we got to see his wrestling – we got to see him set up things like, well, I don't know, more of a setup for the takedown because it was more of him capitalizing on an error from Lynn, uh, the, the wild punch that he threw. And Pico went, took his back, and dragged him to the ground. But that looked good. His control on the ground looked good. But come on, the story of the fight. My God. <laughs> that was one of the most soul taking, devastating gross knockouts I've ever seen. That, As I said to you off the air, it looked like a video game. It looked like UFC Undisputed or EA UFC, whatever the hell it is, where you hit them and they fly backwards. Unbelievable. That was incredible. What a knockout. You, you know, they're going to, they got to do the, the Freeman rematch, right? They if Freeman will. wins? They're going to. I think It will. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I liked I liked Pico's reply to Jimmy in, in the in the post fight interview, saying, "Look, um, I'm going to be a world champion one day, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to do my thing." I like that. I like when guys say that early in their career. Uh, don't put any pressure on yourself because he knows that he was one of the most hyped prospects coming into the sport. Uh, don't put any more pressure on yourself. Do your thing, one fight at a time, until it gets to a point where it's like, "All right, you know what." Now it's time. Now it's time to fight some of the big boys. Uh, so I was happy with that answer, but I can see the rematch taking place. You're right. It's, it's, it's got to happen. Well, Bellator has, has found some real luck in like guys like Tyrell Fortune, who debuted last November, and he's 3-0 right now, had two finishes, and he's looking really good. They got themselves a 27-year-old heavyweight prospect. You know how I feel about heavyweight prospects in their 20s, much less one with a pedigree like that. Then you got uh, Ed Ruth, too, who fights kind of soon. 3-0 and since last November. Has three different finishes. And I think he's fighting in maybe like six six weeks they can find an opponent. They found some real success with guys like that. And I think they were hoping, well, I know that they were hoping for the same out of Pico. Just like I'm sure PFL or whoever the hell, I don't even know who the hell has Kayla Harrison's rights right now. Because... I don't know if she'll want to fight the way that they format their show now. But um, th- I think it's it's cool that we're seeing this, Joe. We're yeah. seeing these guys and girls 
that are straight out of not necessarily straight, but they're they're finding this avenue because there were people like Kyle Bake who didn't want to touch MMA. Like he didn't want anything to do with it. He was like, "No, I'll coach. I'd rather coach than do MMA." And that that that's sometimes heartbreaking to me, Joe. When you see stuff like that, like Helen Marolis, like what? How the UFC or Bellator or even WWE hasn't been all over like the first wrestling female gold medalist from the USA. I don't know, but we're seeing it out of guys like Aaron Pico, Tyrell Fortune, Ed Rude, Kayla Harrison. They're making the transition from Olympic and amateur sport, and they have this instant hype about them. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. It doesn't always pay. It doesn't always pay off. It paid off for Zach Freeman, though. Mm-hmm. Right. Guys, don't forget, uh, we do have the live chat open right now, top right of your screen if you're on the YouTube page. Uh, Jacob Arsenal made a nice little point here. Uh, he goes, guys, I know it isn't a wrestling podcast, but is it me at Bellator and the UFC is a nice comparison between WWE and WCW? Nicholas Claudio says, no, it's Bellator is more like TNA than WCW. And then, of course, Ole Samuel is going to pipe in. He said Bellator is more like the USWA. Um Pride, of course. Um, see, Phoenix like Pride was more the WCW of MMA. Um, That's okay. So there are there are ways you can compare. Everybody says it's the TNA. Before Viacom bought it, yes, it was. Before Viacom got in on it, you could say it was the TNA. Uh, on Spike and the production values, they would take UFC cast off. Sometimes they still do, but TNA has. Never and Panda Energy, you know, a big giant company. They never pumped money into TNA the way that Viacom is willing to pump money into Bellator, and that's something in Bellator, which you know, in TNA too, you ha- you had AJ Styles, guys like that, legitimate guys who could lay claim to being some of the best in the world. You can do that in Bellator too. I think Mike Chandler is one of the best lightweights in the world. I think that uh, a lot of their fighters could be in that conversation of some of the best in the world. It's hard to draw that comparison, but I mean, if you want to make the WCW comparison, there is that because Ted Turner was pumping a lot of money in WCW and WCW did take a lot of the older WWF talent and things like that and struggled to create some of their own. They did with Goldberg, Diamond Dallas Page, but it was mainly former WWF stars by and large. Absolutely. You put a post up there on the uh, live chat. Favorite fight of the weekend. Can I answer that? Yeah. Uh, Jessica Andrade and Claudia Gadea. Oh, what a fight. What a beautiful fight. Um, Can I say something remotely controversial? Sure. So for those that missed the Holy Smokes podcast over the past few weeks, or at least two weeks ago, um, we had Luke Bernardi on. Um, and there were some conversations about obviously mixed martial artists, uh, potentially using performance enhancing drugs. Uh, and, uh, one thing that wasn't picked up by a lot of people was his comments about, um, how women look in mixed martial arts. And he's like, women shouldn't be looking like that, uh, naturally. Cause no matter what they do naturally, they can't look like that or compete like that. When I was, and there were some shots on social media uh, by a lot of fans and some pundits out there. And I'm, if I was to combine them all in my head and put it all together, um, it, in essence, it was like Usada looking at Jessica Andrade right now, toying with Claudia Gadea like she's a ten-pound dumbbell. You know, 
as it pertains to Bernardi's comments, and we'll hear more of those this week, I believe, but yeah, there are there are fighters. There's one in particular who you know I I think highly of on a personal level, but when she fought, I always said like, you know, I would always give people the benefit of the doubt, Joe. Yeah. I didn't give her the benefit of the doubt even then. And now that I see her physique after and her her in-cage performance, since USADA came around, and really since advanced drug testing for her came around, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, come on. We all know the score here. We know what's up. As it pertains to Andrade, man, I wrote an article and I said, she's put herself in a decent position because Joanna doesn't want to move to 125 yet. Andrade is made for 125. A former 135-er that cut down to 115 and beat Gedalia. And she just lost to Joanna this year. And she could immediately, immediately challenge for the 125-pound title. Otherwise, you know, Did you say that she should take on the winner of Tough? Yeah, she should. Totally. Uh, you know, give her a fight maybe December, sure, if she if she can fight. If not, then if you want to make her wait for the winner of Tough, that's fine, too. This fight was brutal. So I'm not sitting there saying... Yeah, get back in the cage in two and a half, three months. Woo! Like, not necessarily that, but she could she could be up there as far as contenders for 125. There's a Valentina Shevchenko, a woman who's offering to go to 125 as well. That's a fight I want to see in the future. Mm-hmm. Those two, um, that's a good one. But I think Andrade's future now is at 125. I could be wrong. Yeah, but what a performance, though. I mean, she was just – she took an ass whooping in the first round and then came back and did that. Uh, nobody's beaten Gadea like that other than uh, – your- This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Trying to get Jacek, and it was just one of those situations. You're just like, "Damn! Like, what a performance!" So uh, that was my fight of the weekend for sure. And there was a lot of fights uh, this weekend. What about you? What was your fight of the weekend? That one, that one, without a doubt. Um, Gedalia started off really strong. Looked like I thought she was going to finish Andrade with strikes, and then uh, then Andrade started to impose her her will and took and took Gedalia down and. Like, from where Andrade was cut open, she would put the cut, like, in Gedalia's eyes so it would impede her vision. That was psycho level, but uh, it worked. It worked, and some of that ground and pound was just disgusting. And we saw Andrade impose that for really the duration of two and a half rounds. I wish I could have gotten 
five rounds out of those two. That would have been a good five-round fight, although I don't think they it'd be like a, they wouldn't survive much of life after that. I mean, like, it was yeah, that's true. brutality. Uh, speaking of brutality, Kokensaki is insane. I mean, that guy generates power beyond power when he decides to tee off on someone, but he was fading. And the Silva was just about to just say, you know what, but just a simple mistake – and Saki capitalized, and the Turkish Tyson has a lot of people talking right now. Some nice new blood in that 205-pound division. I mean, what say you, kind sir? More than a simple mistake, in my opinion, because De Silva cost himself his UFC contract. He's lost four in a row. This fight was a gift to him, and I say a gift. It's never a gift when you're fighting Gokan Saki. But it was them saying, you want to stay on the roster? Beat this guy. And, you know, usually I wouldn't advocate stunning somebody up against the fence and then dropping for a takedown or pushing in for a takedown like a lot of people do. In this scenario, this is a special scenario, Joe. Yes, 100%. Because that man is Gokan Saki, and if you get too antsy in your pantsy, he's going to drop you with a left hook, and that's what happened. There was some debate after uh, the post-fight, like, was De Silva out? Was he playing possum? The man got knocked silly. He should have pressed forward, dragged Gokan Saki. There was no way Gokan Saki was defending a takedown at that point. No way. Now, the question is, could he have submitted him in that amount of time? No, but you could have zapped him with a little bit more energy in that time. So I, I kind of see it, but you've got to go. Oh, come on. You've got to try to at least steal that round at the very least. 20 seconds of real tough ground and pound to finish out that round could sway a judge. And Gokan Saki instead decided to hit him with the old left hook, drop him dead. Uh, as we found out, Gokan Saki's cardio in kickboxing is much different than that in MMA. Oh, yeah. Grappling, he said that he's got to do a lot more of. So. Looking forward to it. I mean, you know, they, they go nine minutes in most kickboxing fights that he participates in. It yeah, doesn't so, go that far. Well, one of the things, though, Sean, you made a point about the stoppage, and a lot of people were complaining about the quote-unquote early stoppage. Understand what Saki was doing uh, to De Silva, okay? What he was doing to De Silva from the beginning, the beginning of the fight, rocking him and, and just crushing his face. The referee at that point there uh, is now looking at De Silva thinking, okay, you know what? You're surviving. You're doing pretty good, but at the same time, if you so much as get knocked down to the ground, I'm going to stop this fight. And if you get knocked down on the ground in, in disgusting fashion, this fight is over. You're not taking any more abuse. You're standing up. You're taking it. You're defending yourself. You're fighting back. Fine, but you're taking a lot of abuse. So the minute he got dropped the way he did, the referee's like, that's it, man. You're done. You took enough abuse. So I had no problem with the stoppage whatsoever. I get, you know, some fans, like, I mean, again, the booing fans is an example of Bellator. Just an example. They don't want to see technical MMA, man. They want to see people knocking each other's skulls uh, inside and out. They don't realize, like, how dare you not want to get your skull cracked open and you take the fight to the ground to take the, the, the striker out of his element? How dare you? I paid 500 bucks for these tickets. You must have your, your skull caved in. You know, the, the funny thing, Joe, and hey, correct me if you think differently, Gokan Saki, you can put a guy like that at light heavyweight or heavyweight. 
I think if this is anywhere between flyweight and maybe middleweight, you can't do that. You don't have the flexibility to be able to do that. Uh, and light heavyweight's pushing it, in my opinion. At heavyweight, you could throw a kickboxer in there, and he might win a few fights before he gets submitted. Or you know, he might go two and two in his first four like that. Like, there's a real good chance he connects before a guy takes him down. I think at, a, at like, a lightweight, it's much, much, much harder to do that. Yeah, no, no, you're bang on. It's 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 one of those things. Listen, man, heavyweights generate a boatload of power. That's why you see knockouts. Light heavyweights, same thing. Uh, that's why when you look at the the if you look at the trajectory or you look at the graph of knockouts per weight division, you see that heavyweight so high, and then it sort of drops off as the weights get lower. It's because you're not. It's force equals mass. Like you're not. There's more force in a heavyweight throwing a punch and mass flying through the air than there is a 125 pound man like Demetrius Johnson, who still hits very hard. He just doesn't hit as hard uh, as Gokin Saki or Stevie Miocic or the guys in that heavyweight division. It's just physics. It's straight physics. So when you throw that kind of power. Well, guess what? The skull size is is similar. Is 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 can only take so much. The brain can only take so much. So when that massive amount of force and and uh, and weight is coming at a, a heavyweight skull, it's a different story than a flyweight taking those punches from Demetrius Johnson. I get it. Uh, he's got power and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it, it's a completely different ball game um, altogether. But you know, Saki's a bad man. It's just a matter of time. But like you said, like. Who's going to want to stand and trade with this guy? Nobody should stand and trade with him. I mean, you might be able to find some guys. Volkan Ozdemir would be an interesting one. Now, we're getting, I'm getting way ahead of myself saying yeah. Volkan Ozdemir or somebody like that. But, gotcha. No, it makes sense. But yeah, maybe Tyson Pedro might be a name. You could, I mean, I don't want to say throw him in there with. Gokan Saki shouldn't be fighting any top 15 guys. But... Uh, like, you know what? I think there's a good chance that a year and a half ago he beats Patrick Cummins. Maybe not now. Patrick Cummins has yeah. been able to – he's learned to take a punch a little bit better. Yeah, but uh, anyone that wants to stand with Saki, it's just – it's it's silly. Just blah, blah, referee steps out of the way, yet we're going down to the ground. That's all that's happening right now, and I'm going to control you. I don't care if it's for 15 minutes, but you're going to stay on your back, or I'm going to be riding your back. There's no way in hell you're going to throw a punch at my face. So that that's. But then again, ego plays into it, man. I can go back to my Ronda Rousey argument earlier in the show. Just ego, 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 ego. You got to be careful how you fight uh, in MMA. Uh, speaking of guys that should no longer be competing in mixed martial arts. Takanori Gomi went out on a shield again, this time against the maestro, Dung Young Kim. Uh, that one lasted 90 seconds. Uh, Gomi, his people, his family, the UFC, athletic commissions need to step in and say, should be ashamed of themselves. It's done. It's done. Thank the you UFC very much. should be ashamed of themselves. This is the fifth straight fight that he has lost uh, four of which uh, by TKO in under two minutes and 40 seconds. The man can't even make it through half of one round. Half of one round. He is 39 years old. Now, I know when he gets cut, if they cut him, Ryzen's going to give him a fight because why wouldn't they? I mean, that's just what they're going to do. It's gross. It's sick. Stop doing it. And what's the matter? They're not going to listen to me. 
But just stop doing it. I got you. I got you. It shouldn't happen. Uh, I watched this I, shit with Sakuraba, man. He was my yeah. hero. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's and it's a different ball game, but at some point, what are the commissions there for? Right? I mean, Dana White wouldn't do it with Chuck Liddell. He said that's enough because it was his friend. Gomi cannot be fighting anymore. That's it. That's it. It's done. Let it go. It, it, no one at Ryzen should be offering him anything. No one at Pancreas should be offering him anything. Um, well, they will. They just, you, you just, they should not because why make money off of someone's life like that? You know, they're already being punished as is, as fighters, as professional fighters, taking the kind of abuse that they're taking right now. After it's, after a while, it's done. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. But, you know, People got to make a dollar. People got to make money. Um, moving past down that card right now, uh, Teruto Ishihara taking out Rolando Dai or D or D bomb or whatever you want to call him uh, after getting kicked in the nuts three times. <laughs> Good for him for winning this fight here. Uh, Wiener was a speed bag on that night. Poor guy. Poor guy. But man, he did. I mean, it was, it was remove those three kicks. It's a good fight. It was so hard for me to get into the fight because of it, because of the stop and start and stop and start and stop and start. Joe, that's a big reason why I don't do my plugs in the middle of the show anymore. It, sometimes it takes people out of it. So I do it beginning and the end or maybe towards the end and stuff. This was like a nonstop ad read for me <laughs> the whole time. Only uh, they should have had Joe Rogan on there, like sponsored by Diamond Cups. Like had he been there, you could have sold a few of the things. Yeah. But uh, Ishihara saved his job. Good for him. Is there? Is there? Can I go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist about the the last name Nakamura? Because for some reason, Nakamura is my Japanese Smith. My or or excuse me, yeah, my 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 Smith, my Silva uh, for the Portuguese and Brazilian audience. Nakamura for me, for some reason, is that one Japanese name that comes out of my mouth nonstop, that I tweet nonstop. For some reason, even one of the Ryzen fights that I was calling, I forgot who it was, but I kept saying her name is Nakamura. Nakamura was on the card, but it was somebody else, and I kept calling her Nakamura. Well, last night after Ishihara takes out uh, Rolando D, I said great performance by Nakamura over Rolando D. <laughs> what is it with me and Nakamura? Well, I mean, I got to cover a Nakamura every week on Tuesdays, so. <laughs> I tell you, man. All right. Uh, Formiga proved me wrong, uh, and a lot of people wrong, uh, that thought Uka Sasaki was a live dog. Uh, boy, was he not. Because Formiga put on a spectacular performance. This is the performance the UFC was waiting for for a long time. Uh, I wanted him to continue so they can get that title shot. Uh, who he did call, he called up Demetrius Johnson. He wants that title shot. Um, Ray Borg has it now at UFC 216. They made that official. Uh, but what did you think uh, of the fight itself? Did it play out the way you thought it was going to play out? Uh, and Formiga in general, where does he go from here? That Formiga back take is slick and nice and really good and dominant. He's, man, like they probably should have given them the title shot when he won those three in a row. I say that because I know, I know the UFC likes him. That's the thing. I mean, I've been told the UFC likes him. 
and if given a reason, they would give him a title shot, like, right quick. He's maybe one fight away from a title shot, maybe two at most, I think. Beating Sasaki was, was a good step because Sasaki had won two of his last three and beat Scoggins, and that was a good win. But Formiga winning in this fashion was something that I think that he needed to do because he hadn't finished anybody in three and a half years. So he went and he did that. It was only the second finish in his UFC career. And this was a guy, Joe, who I said recently, when they created this division, like he was a name. He was a name that people looked at and said, maybe him, maybe him. And this was five years ago when he was a 26-year-old prospect. Now he's a 32-year-old man trying to retain his spot in the division. He's not a 14-1 and prospect anymore. Like, He's not. He's just not that guy who beat who beat Yamaguchi, and people are like, "Oh, shoot him! Maybe he's the guy." So was, this was, was a win he had to have, in my opinion. That was a tacky palace, right? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. He had a little run there. He had the the Danny Martinez fight, the McCall fight, and then the Yamaguchi fight. Well, he lost to the McCall fight. He lost that McCall fight, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, I remember Formiga was was a pretty big name. I think uh, right before he came to the UFC, he was one of the guys. Right, right, you know, relatively speaking, for for that. Yeah, you know, he's it was a name, but then as soon as he comes into the UFC, he fought John Dotson. Oops, um, and then, but from there, I mean, he's always been that guy that has been on the cusp. The only problem he has now in this division is that he's lost to Ray Borg, uh, Cejudo, and. Um, Oh my God, Pettis. They're the closest ones yeah. to the title shot after Borg. So he does have a bit of work to do in this division. I mean, I know he's, he's, he's victorious right now, and Wilson Hayes took a bit of a beating to Cejudo. So we'll see what's going to happen here. But, um, you know, the guy had been, like, he had had his grit and metal tested early, early on. I mean, before the UFC to go through. And I'm talking five straight fights. Kojima, uh, Pantoja, Martinez, McCall, Yamaguchi at that stage. Those were five either like – those were five names that had something attached to them in that non-existent 125 division because, you know, there were a lot of question marks about that division because we hadn't seen a lot of the best fight the best. But that's one of the things that Tachi Palace really, really embraced was that the flyweight fights and stuff. So when I see him come to the UFC and the only guys he loses to, Joe, are guys who get title shots. That's it. Borg, Cejudo, Benavidez, Dodson. And even then, he's beaten Cariasso. He's uh, beaten Wilson Hayes. He's beat Zach Makovsky, who won a Bellator title. He beat Dustin Ortiz, who, you know, there are a lot of parallels between those two guys because Dustin Ortiz was looked at as one of those guys, too. Uh, he beat Scott Jorgensen, who was you know not not an easy out for anybody. So who knows? Who knows, man? Yeah. Uh, anything? Uh, don't let me see uh, Nakamura again. But he uh, Nakamura <laughs> was on the prelim card uh, of those four fights. Uh, the first one was fantastic, in my opinion. Those two guys went at it. They didn't like each other. It was just bomb fest with uh, with Abby and uh, and Lim. But uh, of the four fights in the prelim card, uh, anything you want to talk about there? Ladies, perhaps? Nothing? I mean, it, you know, it was a decent prelim card. It it was a little trying. I, you know, when you have four straight decisions on a prelim show, 
I'm like, eh, okay. Fortunately, there are only 10 fights on this show. Thanks, me. That I'm happy about. But the only reason there were 10 fights on that show is because Hirota got pulled. Um, and because uh, the Inouye and Lauza fight got pulled too. There were, they planned on like 12 fights. The fact that Hirota wasn't pulled immediately after falling off of that scale that's that's you need big john mccarthy there right now waving it off as soon as he shuffles off of that scale go home You're done. go home also yeah. i hope that uh charles rosa got paid if depending on what time what did charles rosa make weight right off the top yes he, he made weight uh and really Hiroda had he didn't make weight but he weighed in but he was going to forfeit thirty. He was going to forfeit part of his purse. Yeah, if Rosa made weight, stepped weight, and became official, I would say ninety-nine times out of a hundred, he's getting a check uh, for show money. Um, yeah. At the very least, it's when the situations would happen with Demetrius Johnson. Um, guys, sorry, I keep looking down to my left of my screen here because I keep I, I moved Sean over to the left there, so I'm looking at the camera now. I apologize. Uh, the situation, the difference between Charles Rosa and and, and potentially getting paid. Uh, and Demetrius Johnson not getting paid is they told Demetrius to stop cutting weight immediately. Stupid, Stupid excuse. Yeah. If I were a fighter, you, you got to put it in your UFC contract yeah. that you get paid in that regard, or at least paid something. Reimburse for your camp plus a percentage or something. Yeah, it was. It's. Uh, I, I feel bad for the guy, but he's getting the fight uh, in, in a few more weeks. At UFC 216, he falls obviously as the co-main event. He will not be the, that fight. There will not be the main event as Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee get that main event slot. Um, yeah. Yay or nay? Yay, because and there's one big reason for that. Yay, Joe. If they move Demetrius Johnson and Ray Borg to the main event right now, they would have they would run the risk of having to give a lot of refunds if Ray Borg withdrew from this fight because that would be the main event. And you know, if you do that, then you gotta give you gotta give refunds if the main event falls out. That's just that's the way it's structured. I don't think they, they fear Kevin Lee or Tony Ferguson doing that. Also, that was the main event originally. Lee and Ferguson and then Borg and Johnson just slid right in there. But all of a sudden that show is damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Well you mentioned you wanted one more fight in that show, right? It needed that one more fight, and that's kind of the one more fight it needed. I don't know if it needed it at the expense of a UFC 215, but now you got Ferguson Lee, Johnson Board, Verdum Lewis. I don't know what the hell kind of fight that'll be. That might be a terrible fight. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Van Zant and Jessica I with a million question marks just painted all over that one because they're flyweight. Also, shout out to Paige Van Zant for uh, like. I, for as much trash as she gets, to be 23 years old and have the kind of poise that she does and being so transparent about why she's moving to flyweight and straight up saying, it's healthier for me, uh, I don't want to have an eating disorder anymore type of thing, shout out to her for that. Also, Daryush versus Dunham, good fight. Will Brooks on the prelims. Bobby, Bobby Green versus Lando Venata. How am I just seeing if that exists? Oh my god. Turn the faucet on and hose me down. 
That is a that's a fight. Um, Pearl Gonzalez, who everybody knows from Implant Gate, who Joe, you were there to cover live. A heavyweight fight. Walt Harris and Mark Godbeer. How Mark Godbeer doesn't have an alcohol sponsor is beyond me. John Mar- <laughs> John Moraga on that show. Talis Latess on that show. There's some good fights on there. Now, are you ready for the co-main event to be Johnson versus Schnell? Oh, my God. Imagine. Or Bibulatov? Bibulatov. Yeah, this is what you and I talked about before. They gotta have it's dangerous with these title fights not having other guys, uh, contenders on the same card. But they have <laughs> to be, to be fair, they do have a former title contender in Moraga. They do have the Russian fellow whose name I have not yet learned to pronounce, but will by this show, will by this show, and uh, he is fourteen and zero. So you could, you know, not not the end of the world to do that. And Matt Schnell, Marco Beltran, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Uh, what else is going on in the world, or in your mind, in the world of professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing, quads? What do you got? We got tons of stuff over at Fightful.com. We're posting your stories in a much more timely manner. We got all the info on the Flow Slam stuff. What a mess that is. Tomorrow night, WWE, no mercy. I'm going to talk about Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. Hopefully, the New Japan Destruction and Kobe show. Uh, David isn't able to cover it live. He's a little under the weather. Uh, my apologies to you guys for that. But I'm going to try to talk about all those shows after no mercy as well. But, yeah, come tune in. Uh, more than anything, guys, subscribe. Uh, turn your notifications on on YouTube. Things like that really help. But what helps even more is you all sharing the stories on social media, Reddit, Facebook, all that good stuff. Get the word out about us. We're still a, a growing community. And I got to say, I am stoked to see all the activity over on those forums because when we set up those forums, we were like, you know what? We don't want it to just be wrestling, boxing, and MMA. We want people, we want people to wake up in the morning and go there. Like Maybe they want to talk about hockey, soccer, motorsports. Football, basketball, baseball, music, TV, movies, uh, video games, really anything. If there's something that we don't have, tell us and we'll add it. But I'm thrilled to see how uh, active those have been of late. Get over there, talk to us, let us know what's up. And comment on those stories. I love interacting with you all any way I can. Twitter, YouTube, uh, forums, comments, really anything. Absolutely. Uh, there'll be some changes on the MMA side. Uh, we're going to get some different types of guests, uh, and I'm working on a few of them. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you heard of Daniel. Have you heard of Daniel Cormier before? No, who's that? Daniel Cormier. He's the current UFC light heavyweight champion. He just had the belt given back to him because he fought some guy that was oh. tested positive. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're talking with Daniel Cormier as we speak, and there'll be a few oh. other ones uh, as they lead up to their fights uh, in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Uh, we're going to have some conversations with some people, some managers, oh, some promotions. Oh, Look at that. Sean Ross Sapp now is fixing his hair. Oh, man. Look at this beauty. You know, now that Elias isn't on the site, at least on a full-time basis, and Matt is off doing his wrestling around the world thing, I got to say, I beat out Anna Ballard for best hair on Fightful.com. I respectfully 
disagree and I will defend Anna till I'm blue in the face. What well, is being that Australian thing? is like being on PEDs when it comes to hair. That's not fair. <laughs> That's not fair. She's not passing the pre-hair flip-off piss test. Jesus to say. Terrible. Terrible, 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 terrible. Anyways, guys, we're going to have a bunch, and girls, we're going to have a bunch of uh, guests, hopefully coming up in the coming weeks. Nothing that's going to happen uh, uh, on this Tuesday. You never know. Uh, but yeah, Tuesday, Holy Smokes podcast, uh, Sean Rossap and yours truly uh, with a few guests. We may have to play a bit more, if it fits, of, the, of our conversation um, yeah. with Luke Bernardi, because that topic will continue. Because every time that... <laughs> so very relevant, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it seems almost every week watching a UFC event, you're like, wait a second, that fighter looks kind of yeah. funny. So Luke Bernardi's content will always be uh, something we'll share. But other than that, uh, yeah, it was a, a fun weekend. Two two different promotions, two events, 600 fights. Uh, I'm, I'm never MMA'd out, but I could use some sleep tonight, sir. Yes, yes, and I have a very busy day tomorrow. And my associate editor is going to be out next weekend. So the one weekend, or there, there are two weekends, Joe, through the rest of the year that don't have a UFC event. Two. One of which I got to stay glued. Yeah. Go figure. Hey, a quick question before we say goodbye. Do you guys, uh, do you guys have Chuck E. Cheese's down there? Yeah, ours sucks though. Yeah, well, I haven't been to one in a long time, but apparently uh, my son has ordered me, uh, and my wife is already connected with another couple that has kids. I'm going to Chuck E. Cheese tomorrow. Like, oh. what am I expecting here? Well, it depends. I get the feeling a Toronto Chuck E. Cheese is a little bit better than Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington's is straight dirty, but uh, I don't know. Like, you know, I can't say, oh, man, that's lame. I go do kid stuff all the time. I play laser tag, mini golf. Uh, I race go-karts. I play video games at arcades. Like, I, that's that's how I unwind. I go to batting cages, stuff like that. This is basically that, but take the fun down a bunch. And really expensive pizza, from what I understand. Is the pizza any good? I can't remember. It's been decades since I've been there. Oh, Maybe that'll be my report I'm on, on the Holy Smokes podcast when we get on the air yes. on Tuesday. But, yes, it'll be, it'll be a good time. But, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. Thank you uh, to everyone in the live chat. Thank you to everyone that tunes in afterwards um, you know, on, on iTunes and Stitcher and whatnot. We, we, we always thank you for your support. Like Sean said, uh, we continue to grow. We are only going to get better. We are going to have a lot of fun um, and, and, you know, I'm not one for controversy, but I can feel controversy coming up uh, over the next few weeks. But uh, we'll let Sean say goodbye for the show. But uh, to everyone, thank you for tuning in for sure. Until next time, guys, head over to Fightful.com, FightfulPods.com. Subscribe iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Until next time, we're out. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.